Beloved brands know customer relationships are everything. That's why over 130,000 trust Clavio to power smarter digital relationships across their websites, emails, SMS, and reviews. And now there's Clavio AI, your guide to smarter insights, decisions, work, and results. Brands like Everyman Jack trust Clavio AI to personalize product recommendations that keep customers coming back. Discover Clavio AI at clavio.com slash box. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com backslash box. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. We are uh, awakened from our comas, uh, from our dissociated, dissociative episodes of Lions football, of turkey, of pumpkin pie. I burned my hand cooking for my meal. So that's nice. uh, that was probably the best way to that. That's how my third. That's how my Thanksgiving went. I watched the Lions choke away a game they absolutely could have, should have, would have won against the Bears. And also I burned my hand because my pumpkin pie was going to hit the ground. So I at least saved the pumpkin pie. That was a hit. Silver linings. 100% worth Worth the save then. Worth it. Worth it. And also I might be a Michigan guy now. I don't know. Let's go. We are going to talk about blue a little bit. We're going to talk about blue a little bit because there's a couple of uh, interesting things there, including we got Jeremy into draft talk. That is Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter. We are live right now on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit, still raising money for Movember. This is our last mainline POD cast for Movember. Uh, we have raised a lot of money. We've raised a lot of money. We have a 24-hour stream coming up. So 15, please, 15, 15, easy, what? 15 hour stream. 15 hours. You're cutting it down to 15 hours. I no. it was always 9 a.m. to midnight. It was always okay. 9 a.m. to midnight. Eastern okay. time. I, I apologize. I apologize. Wow. Okay. I hit a nerve. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the point is you should be following us on twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit for that, because we're going to have a lot of fun. And finally, we've, we've dallied around long enough. The third man, the man, the rock God is Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore POD senior editor. Hello, Ryan. For uh, our all not visual medium. Chris, did you not get the memo? What's that? Beanie Sunday, man. Oh man. You know what? I do have a beanie or I do have a, t- I don't call them. I don't like call them beanies. I think when I lived in Canada, I picked up the word toque and I enjoy the word toque. It's very Canadian. That's uh, super Canadian. Um, I just think it, I, I, when I hear beanie, I expect to see like a little ball on top of the hat and it looks nerdy. Then when I see uh, those, what you guys are wearing right here, not a visual medium, I think toque. Hmm. Hmm. Well, yeah. You, speaking of Canada, let's talk about the potential of the Detroit Lions moving to the. Uh, never mind. Uh, <laughs> you're in something else, right? Well, I mean, if we do move to if the Lions do move to Canada, would they still have Thanksgiving just you know in October? <laughs> Isn't it Boxing Day? No, they have Thanksgiving in October. I mean, in, in Canada, it's just it's in October, yeah. and apparently Canadians, or at least the one I went to, they serve pierogies with their Thanksgiving. I don't think that was this, that was standard though. This podcast did not start how I thought it would. Look, I well, we, I we also had than things, talking about the game. But we also had people on Thanksgiving, including 
people who should know better saying the lions don't deserve Thanksgiving games no more and trying to pry it from our hands, which is just to say F you bill Barnwell and Michael David Smith and everyone else trying to take this from my cold dead hands. All right. I don't care how badly we lose. Yeah. I mean, the tradition started in Detroit. We did it. Uh, it, we made it popular. We made the, I mean, we essentially held an integral part in making the NFL synonymous with Thanksgiving and people still watch as much as they bitch and moan, just like they bitch and moan about, you know, holding penalties or taunting penalties through it all. They still watch. And so the NFL has no reason to take it away from Detroit because it's still freaking popular. And so y'all just got to watch and deal with it because it's ours. We don't have a lot. And I'm I'm not saying you should feel pity for us, but it's ours. It's ours. You can't take it. Rob Parker, Chris Broussard, anyone else trying to run out the hot takes saying Thanksgiving don't belong to the Lions from my cold, dead hands. Now let's talk about that turd of a game. Okay. (laughs) Ryan, did you want to get in there one time? I feel like you want to get a punch in there. I don't want to, I don't want to leave you armless here. Well, no, just just the, I I feel like we either had a discussion in Slack or maybe it was here in, in the scraps on a podcast or something like that with John, but um I think it was Slack where I was just like, I, I wouldn't really mind if they took the game away from me. Like, I you did say I, that. Like, I mean, I, I enjoy it being a Lions thing, and I have so many memories, obviously, associated with it. But at the same time, like, I, I think that there needs to be an, an effort to have quality football on. And well, like, did, but here's the thing, Ryan. Like, they they had this argument like ten years ago, and. And they were talking about potentially That's taking it away from the Detroit. Way, yeah. yeah, they added the rotating game at the end of the at the end of the month. And by the there way, how that Bills en- how enjoy that, enjoy Saints Bills, two great franchises. Yeah, I was going to say how that Bill how that uh, you know that's the thing is like oh we want good teams on Bills Saints looks appeasing at the start of the year and guess what the Bills are just truck sticking the Saints in the Superdome. Yeah, well, so so the one thing that I wanted to say was yeah I I, I don't know if it would irk me all that much but the second part of it it is anybody directing their anger towards the lions for being on Thanksgiving? It's the NFL, like direct your anger and hatred somewhere where it belongs to be because the the lions, yes, they have that game, but it's through the NFL. Like the NFL is the reason why the lions are on Thursday, not because of the lions. The, the, the NFL has precious few traditions. I think having the lions and Cowboys on Thanksgiving, it is the one thing that allows them to have, history and old school traditions other than running the 50th documentary on how the AFL and NFL merged in the sixties <laughs> and was thus cool and good. Um, I like doing this a lot better than talking about the game. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> uh, Pain. We're not going to talk about the game too long. Cause we've got, I mean, it's a little bit in the past. I want to talk a little bit about it. I think the rest of the podcast, we'll talk about Dan Campbell and yes, we're going to get some draft talk, but um, man, Jeremy Ryan, like this game, I don't want to say it was more of the same. Cause I felt like the lions had a puncher's chance into this game and three things happened. Penalties turned two drives into third and 32 Deandre Swift left. And that deprived you of your biggest weapon. And yes, Aaron Glenn jumping up and down and screaming like lunatic on the sideline and getting that second time out, which is a penalty. And that'll do it. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't even know what to, to say more about this game than, than what I said on, on Thursday night. Um, but it, I mean, do the lion, like obviously all the, the things that happened at the end of the game, 
is, is what kind of draw drew all the headlines and, and questioned all the, the coaching decisions. But I guess my, my question is to you, like, let's say the Lions get that third and seven stop. They don't call the double timeouts. So they just get a stop right there in third and seven. How much confidence do you guys have that Jared Goff then leads the Lions down into field goal range with less than two minutes left and rookie kicker in his first career start kicks a game winner for Detroit. Like I give in the way the lines were moving that ball. Like, and like you said, they, they were moving it kind of okay, at least compared to other weeks and, and all the penalties kind of erased the opportunities there. I think a, a fumble also erased another promising drive, but I don't know. Like, I feel like that narrative just appeared because it appeared like there was, there was other narratives to have in that game that really frustrates me because that was not a good bears team. I, I will say Andy Dalton's probably the best quarterback they've, they've played in three weeks, but uh, not, not a very good bears team. Well, and well, the Lions never took advantage. I, I'll, I'll let, I'll go to, to Ryan next, but I do want to interject and say that Jeremy is just assuming though, that at that stop Cairo Santos is automatic. And I think from farther out, given the history and curse of bears kickers, I, I think we first have to ask if Cairo Santos had to kick anything more than a chip shot. Well, that was a chip shot, right? Like they were, no, no, no. It was, was going to be like a 30 something yarder. Yeah. But still like we're talking about the bears here. Fair. The bears kicking and Matt Nagy trying to save his job on a kicking situation. <laughs> I just needed for more than point blank range, but you know, anyway, sorry, uh, Ryan, your thoughts. Um, yeah, well, I, I think first to Jeremy's point about like how much faith do you have in Jared Goff? Should the Bears kick that field goal in in Jared Goff leading the offense, you know, in field goal position or better? <clears throat> um, I guess for me, like just thinking about like the way Jared Goff operates, I think in that situation, like defenses are playing off, right, or a little bit. They're keeping everything in front of them because they don't want to get anything by them. Maybe it works, but the most important part of that special sauce was out in DeAndre Swift. Sure. So like without, without Detroit's, you know, ostensibly their best weapon, as Chris said earlier, um, their most productive weapon at this point. The first thing that I thought of when I saw Swift go down is I was like, that's like collarbone or something like he, mm-hmm. like he, the way he got rolled up on and all of it went, all the pressure went straight on his shoulder. I thought it was like collarbone or shoulder, some kind of fracture for, for him to dodge that, that at least gives hope to this offense down the stretch. Right. right. I mean, if you, if you lose a player like Deandre Swift, what I, Jamal Williams isn't, he's not getting everything done the way that Swift can get right. everything done. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think the running game changes much because Swift no, it doesn't great in it, but yeah, I mean, it, it might we, become more efficient on a snap by snap. I, I, I think it's more just, Williams. I think it's more just like the way that golf was getting the ball out to Swift. And I mean, yeah, a lot of it was dump off or check down, but Swift was turning that into yardage still. I, no, and, not in this game, but, but in, yeah. in the past, yes. You know, no, I just as an archetype. Yeah. yeah the, the one thing I, I'll say before Jeremy, you get back to your point is that Jamal Williams, I'm not saying he's not a receiving threat out of the backfield. It's just, he doesn't have, he doesn't have it like DeAndre right. Swift. No right? question. Right. Doesn't have yeah. the, the, the opportunity, the, the skill set to make an explosive play, just kind of a the okay. one cut and gone guy. Yeah. yeah he, but he's like, not that, but I do, I do want to talk a little bit more about the offense in this game because it did like, I know they only put up 14 points and they haven't put up over 20 in, in a really long time, but it, it felt like there were some promise in this. Like they, they had some drives that were working. They had, you know, a seven play drive, another seven play drive, a 10 play drive, a five play drive. And it really seemed like things were ready to get going. And then 
abruptly stopped. You know, the, the, the false start holding holdings that happened on two different drives. That, like I said, the fumbled snap or the fumbled sack, I should say. And then, like, most of all, like, you, you, the way the game starts, you're just like, did they finally get it? Did, did they finally get all of our memos of throw the freaking ball downfield? Did did the golf to, to Reynolds connection, did we not undersell that? We, yeah, that, we, that works. We, and I mean, like, 10, oversell 10, it maybe? 10 receptions between we, Reynolds, Hawkinson, and Amon Ross St. Brown. Right. They, that's the a good start there. That's working. better than what it's been. Yeah. And I don't think Jared Goff was particularly bad in this game. There was some times toward the middle of the game where I did think he was holding on to the ball a really long time and not maybe forcing a pass downfield that maybe he should have. But overall, it seemed like maybe like, and, and weirdly of all, it was not because of the running game because the running game was horrible in the first half. <laughs> Running game wasn't going anywhere, and it almost seemed like things were, were going to turn around, but then the Lions just couldn't get out of their own freaking way. And that's, to me, what was so frustrating about this game because what it didn't really seem like the Bears took anything away from the Lions in particular, at least offensively. It's just the Lions shot themselves in the foot, and that's not exactly how they'd been losing these previous games. They, they, they just couldn't push the ball downfield. In this game, they kind of could, and then they just they got themselves into no-win situations, and then they didn't win. I, I really, the, the one thing I want to go back and watch from this game, and that seems like a very masochist thing to even suggest, but like the one thing I want to go back and watch are those holding penalties Yeah. because I felt like in real time, some of it felt like it was on golf and I don't mean to pile on the guy, but like it was the way he like tried Ramble. to move yep. the pocket yep. that he like, ran, he like, he positioned his offensive lineman to, to do nothing but hold. That, that definitely like, happened on at least one play. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. And you know what? That I mean, it, it's just, it, it's everything, Jeremy. It's like you said, it's holding onto the ball for a beat too long. It's, you know, running your offensive lineman into a blocking penalty. It's, it, it's just, it's, he, it's he not can't throwing it away when a, when a screen play is dead on arrival, he throws, yeah. he still throws it instead of just yeah. ducking it. It's just got to be like it, like one of those things has to happen during a drive and yeah. whether or not the lions can overcome it, 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 that that'll let you know if they, you know, ended up getting points on that drive or not. Do we want to switch to the defense really quick before we jump into yeah, all the, I thought the coaching? This was a, I thought this was a better game for the defense. And I mean, I, I say that even though as the defense, once again, was kind of losing their, you know, their, their pass protection, people just turning into a mash unit and guys, kind of going out, but um, I mean, you kind of held the bears and I know it's not a, okay. I, I'll, I'll say I'll, it, top, top and bottom, top and bottom. Cause I'm realizing, you know, I, I can see you t- ready to tee off on me here. For you me, caught yourself. You, I caught myself. It's a bad yeah. bears offense. It's a, well, not, not only that, but once again, pass rush, not getting anything yeah. done against one of the worst offensive lines. But when the ball was going out, like I, I thought they were at least, you know, it was bend on break for a lot of times they were getting punts. They were getting, you know, they, I think what do we have eight passes defended passes broken up. Um, like they, they were keeping Andy Dalton from doing more damage, which seems like a very grim thing to have to say, but it was true. He, they kept him from doing damage in this game. And I think, look, I think this is now the past three games we've seen the lions hold teams to, and again, not great offensive teams, but Steelers 16 points, Browns, 13 points, bears, 16 points in today's modern NFL hold. You hold three teams under 20 points. That's, 
that's not bad. And again, you should win at least one of those games, probably at least two. And that's again, with no pass rush whatsoever. Like in all those games, the lions were not getting, I think maybe they they have a sack on Baker Mayfield, but they certainly didn't. I mean, no, they had sacks on, um, on uh, 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 Mason Rudolph, I think. But that was really about it. Like, they've still not gotten penetration. They got, from, they got home they to Mayfield once. Once, uh, Levi, yeah. Levi, Levi owns a re- Or no, that was, that was Chicago. Yeah. yeah. No, no, Dalton. no, no. They got, they got, they got a sack on Baker Mayfield what too, I think. But yeah, 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 either way. I don't, like, this It was another weird performance for the defense to me because, like, on paper, like, yeah, again, they held them to, to a low amount of points. But to me, I, I feel like the game plan in this one was let's stop the Bears running game and see if Andy Dalton can beat us. And Andy Dalton beat y'all. He did. He threw for 300 yards, 8.1 yards per temp. He connected on a lot of big plays in this game. And Darnell Mooney proved that where, where do you put Will Harris in the game? Because it's not a great safety. And I think we just found out he's a very not so good nickel corner. And I know there were some great plays by the secondary in this game. Amani, I thought had a, a really good game and his interception was outstanding, but like everyone else I felt was getting beat by a, a bears receiving core. That was not good, not good at all. If I'm being completely honest. So that to me was a huge disappointment. And like you said, Chris, part of that is no pass rush, right? Like these guys are having to cover for so long mm-hmm. because no one's getting home. And it's unfortunate because no Trey flowers, obviously uh, Romeo hasn't been playing for, for two months now. Um, but it's just disheartening, heartening to see, um, especially, I mean, like, there's nothing more disheartening to see than an eight and a half minute game winning drive. Like that is just, yeah, that's, that's what that's took the air out of the tires. That that's what took the air out of the tires at the end. Like, cause up until that point lions, I still thought they had hope, but just watching the bears grind out the clock there. And again, like I, I do think there's some individual performances you're looking towards the future at this point. And I like the idea of like, you know, talking about hoping to keep Tracy Walker and Anzalone has been a good veteran presence on this team. And you know, there's some other, uh, the young guys in McNeil and Anzarike, they're showing the flashes they need, but yeah, I just, it, as I say, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is kind of weak at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It, another quick shout out just for individual performance. I thought Alex Anzalone probably had his best game of, yeah. <clears throat> of, of his time so far here in Detroit. Um, it, yeah. I, I, <sighs> Jerry Jacobs where, where are you at with him right now, Jeremy? I still think he's playing kind of his ass off, honestly. Like, yeah, he, he wasn't great in this game, but I think he did get a pass breakup. And like, I, he just, he always seems to be in a place to make a play and he's being very physical. And I think he's probably going to get flagged more down the line for, for some of how physical he's being. But like, I think he's their best corner right now. And I know that sounds ridiculous when Amani's got five interceptions and I know I'm being labeled as, as a money hater. And like I said, I thought he had a, the shoe a good fits. game and, and like his, his interception was the best defensive play. This, this defense has had all money goes hot, cold. I think he that's does. the problem. He's just yeah. not consistent, oh, man. And the best celebration too. Oh yeah. The handing out the, <laughs> the, the slices of pie. Yeah. 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 That's great. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I'm right there with you too. Like Jared Jacobs every week is doing something to kind of win me over. And um you know, it, it's just awesome. You know, in, in the season where everything is really bad, at least like there's, I don't know. The, the, One good just, story. You're, you're sifting through all this dirt and like you find, you find something like, like Jerry Jacobs. A nice and, shiny, a nice shiny rock. Yeah. Well, what a compliment. I'm glad that Jerry Jacobs can't search his name through podcasts. Listen, I, I don't, I mean, 
Don't clip that. Don't clip that and use that against me. Jerry Jacobs, Chris says he's a nice shiny rock. Look, I think he'll be back on the roster next year. Like he's probably CB. He could probably make a contest for CB three, CB four, depending on no the question. Lions, what the what moves the Lions make between this time and next year. I mean, it's worth noting, and it depends how much stock you put into a, a, a website like PFF. But Amani Orari was the best graded defender on defense. Jr. Jacobs was third. Seven, an 83.4 for Amani and a 74.0 for Jerry. Like those guys are playing really well. And those, yeah. those it's also worth noting. Those guys didn't leave the field once they played every single defensive snap, played their ass off. Yeah. I have one last question about the defense. If I can sneak it in. Um, what do you guys feel about like Aline McNeil and Levi's snap counts? Like, do you need to see those increase over the course of this season um, to finish things up or, where, where, where are your guys' feelings with that? I think I, I'm, I'm happy with where McNeil is at. I think on Zerike, I could see a little bit. I would like to see him more involved, I think. I'm with you there. I think I think I could use a little bit more of both. But, I mean, Aleem's starting, and that would be – And mean, he's playing nose tackle. It's and so he's situational. Playing and right. he's getting some good penetration, too. He just needs, he just needs help from the edge to, like, finish. I think he, I, he burst through that line a few times. He just had no help to finish up. I, I think that was maybe the best game from both of those guys on Thursday and Levi, especially, you know, he picks up his, his first career sack. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see Levi out there more. I, I guess the issue is that that might mean taking a guy like Michael Brockers off the field and he's your leader on defense. Mm-hmm. And so there's kind of a, an emotional aspect of, of limiting someone like that, uh, their snaps, but I'm, I mean, you're, you're this far in the season. Like I, I think, I think you need to start testing these guys out more just They're to see what future. you got. They're your yeah. future. They're, there's the guys who are going to be with you for at least five years. Like, I, yeah. and, and I, I want to be clear. Like I understand the, the path that they're taking. I'm not angry that he hasn't mm-hmm. been playing more. Like you want to ease these guys in, especially with Levi, you know, they, they had the kind of back scare and in, in training camp. Like you want to, like, there's no harm in easing them out because like, yeah. you, I mean, you're just, if this guy played 10 more snaps, like would he be this far, much to this much more far along at this point? I mean, probably not. So ease him in, but get him those snaps at the end of the, and the end of the season so that we see, you know, the, the totality of what you can get, maybe give him a, a couple starts under his belt and, and see where we go from there. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's get on to the important wanna, part from the weekend. Do we want to take a break at this point? We're already no, 20 minutes no, in. no, no. Real quick, real okay. quick. We, we got to get at least some positivity in here. Okay. Oh, hold on. Allow me to segue to this. All right. The Lions can just see all of Levi they want. They they are already getting rid of the player who's wearing 97 so that they can draft. Williams. <laughs> Another 97? Another 97. Aiden Hutchinson. We're going to talk about Aiden Hutchinson suit, but man, go blue. I'm not even a Michigan guy, but that 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 one that win felt good. I was going into the weekend with some hosts who um I think it was talking with one guy from Philadelphia who said like, no shot, no shot in hell for Michigan because Ohio state will run the ball all over them. They'll throw on over. How can you stop them? And like Michigan, I, I feel like sometimes what Michigan did in that game, punching, punching Ohio state in the face, taking the ball away on defense and then sitting on it and, and like running it down the gullet. I mean, isn't that what the lions want to do? Yeah. I mean, not, I mean, obviously not not doing it right now, but I'm saying that's the blueprint. They want to do that. It's just, I mean, it was Jim Harbaugh has been trying to do it for six Six years. years. He finally gets through, man. 
I mean, it was kind of a thing of beauty and something I'm not really used to. I mean, you know me, I'm, I'm team pass the ball as, as much as possible. Yeah, but you, like, you, you do the, you do the, but you're also passive aggressive Michigan guy. You're like, Oh, I just hope to have fun out there and be positive. <laughs> you're trying to hold back the arrogance of every known Michigan fan out there. Uh, you got be a fan, however the hell you want, because okay. every, every normal fan in your position would probably do the exact same thing you're doing mm-hmm. because every NFL slash college fan is the same, but to the topic at hand, Michigan. Um, yeah. Like, there, there is something incredibly satisfying and not just doing it against your biggest rival and one of the better teams in the nation, but just being a, an unstoppable force on the ground, running for whatever, almost 300 yards or five whatever straight, it was. Five straight drives that end on Hassan touchdowns. And the sixth, it's, and it's the sixth drive is victory formation. Yeah. And and we've seen the story from a team like Michigan before where they jump out to a lead, I don't know, like four, four weeks ago against Michigan State, and then they let it slide. But they took every, like, and you knew Ohio State was going to score some points in this game, and they did. And Michigan just took every counterpunch. Is like, eh, we don't care. We're just going to continue to run the ball down your throat. And you can't stop us because our offensive line is kicking your defensive line's ass all freaking day. And yeah, that's what the Lions hope they got in, in their young offensive line, right? They've, they've got Decker. They've got Sewell. They've got Jonah Jackson. Um, we'll, we'll see what the other pieces are long-term. Um, Frank but Ragnow when he's healthy. Frank Ragnow. I, I don't know why I forgot <laughs> him. Um, and then, yeah, you have the one of the piece, like, that's absolutely what they love to do. Now, I think Dan Campbell knows that they got to throw the ball a little bit more than Michigan probably does. I, I think, yeah, that's question, a big question. Can you do that in the NFL? Right. And yeah. I think the answer is mostly no. I mean, you can't, you can't, you're not seeing a lot of teams rack up 280 rushing yards a, a week. The Titans are maybe the, the one counter example, you know, the Eagles were kind of that team, but they just got beat by the Giants, so like they're not that great. Yeah, either. but when, like, they, were, when they were Super Bowl team, that was their motto too: was offensive line dominating. Right, yeah. right, and then like the Cowboys, a couple, you know, four or five years back, I know they didn't win the Super Bowl, but like they were a dominant team for a couple of years because they had such a good offensive line in Ezekiel Elliott. So it's possible, but I don't know how. I don't know. Like you have to be elite of the elite to be able to do that, and I think even then you still need something in the passing game and the lines just don't have something in the passing game right now at all. Yeah. This would have been a phenomenal time for somebody to have muted Jeremy so that he wouldn't be, have been able to talk about the Michigan game. Yeah. $80 I, to mute when we're live on twitch.tv slash pride to Detroit. Um, I do. However, the one thing I will use over Jeremy's head is that Jeremy did finally break down and suggest the lines should trade up to secure Aiden Hutchinson. <laughs> sure and maybe daxton listen um, this team this team needs, needs two pass rushers right like yeah you give me aiden hutch and you give me caden thibodeau and you and you Bro, pair I'm, him with, with romeo aquara like i'm not against it how going. many years have i how, how many years have been slamming the table saying lions need an edge rusher i can't stand this anymore i can't stand that our last great edge rusher was only ezekiel Ansa. and that's well the also the also important point here is like edge rushers are pretty, I feel like they're pretty safe at the top of the draft, right? Like you look at some of the ones taken recently at the top of the draft and they're all pretty damn good, right? Yeah. yeah it's kind of tough I, though. Cause those kind of guys only come around every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing is like, no like oh, in the it's, podcast. A, it's, it's a, it's a deep class for the talent, but so what? Like, this, yeah. this whining over where the lions are. And then this is the year that they get the first round pick. You just, this is such a beggars trying to be choosers moment. I feel like with fans nitpicking about 
that they're getting a first first overall, probably getting the first overall pick in a year where there's no quarterback. Like I get it that you're not I mean, getting yeah, that value there, but like, so what? What do you want? What do you what are you going to do about it? Yeah. <laughs> you make the best of it. It, it does feel like a, a little bit of lines luck where it's like feels like every year there's a there's a can't miss prospect and either it'd be nice to be in that situation either to grab that guy a quarterback specifically but or just, potentially trade out of it just look at some of the just look at some of these games lines have played if they had the pressure from the edge with McNeil and Anzariki coming up the middle yeah. like oh, that no turns question. into sacks that and that's everything. probably changing some of these games sure well, like the maybe Lions have they need to score some goddamn points though. Yeah, Lions. Like I, I love Okwara and I love Flowers, but the Lions, God, they have neglected the edge for years. They have, and I think that's a good place for us to break out of here. The and last time they invested was Ezekiel Ansa and as Ansa, and it wasn't yeah. really that great after like a year or so of Ansa, and he benefited from good interior play. Um, but anyway, let's take a break here. We got to talk about Dan Campbell. We'll rebound and talk more draft in the third segment here, um, considering the new debate with, with Lions fans is Hutchinson versus Thibodeau and uh, more developments in the draft and talking about quarterbacks, the senior bowl, the Rams pick and much more. But first up next, um, we need, it's been three games now of Dan Campbell play calling. And I feel like we got to have a bit of a round table on what's working, what's not working, and maybe where his perception are is with fans. Cause I think fans are getting a little too negative on him, but at the same time, there's definitely some earned, earned criticism. We'll break it down next on the pride of Detroit POD cast. Beloved brands know customer relationships are everything. That's why over 130,000 trust Clavio to power smarter digital relationships across their websites, emails, SMS, and reviews. And now there's Clavio AI, your guide to smarter insights, decisions, work, and results. Brands like Everyman Jack trust Clavio AI to personalize product recommendations that keep customers coming back. Discover Clavio AI at clavio.com slash box. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com backslash box. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Um, we might have mutes incoming because uh, what happened during the break was a, there, there will be a scraps coming this week, but top 10 anime betrayals happened during the break. I don't think Ryan's going to be the same. I oh. am the Joker. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm a bad friend. That's all. That's all I'll say. And you'll have to wait until scraps. We'll have to wait until scraps comes out in the middle of the week. Yeah. You you can, you can throw Reno under that bus too. If you'd like. I love Reno. Reno isn't part of this podcast. Like. (laughs) (laughs) He's part part of the lore. He's part of the, he's part of the founding, uh, the founding myth along with Kyle Yost and fruit salad. You, You were saying founding. And I thought that that was a, 
big tip. Oh, and did, did, did we ever talk about that on um, a podcast about because that that happened back before we were live, Alex and his uh, founders. Uh, That's going to be me bastard. next week. You with the dirty bastard. Yes, Big Ten championship game. My team's in it, baby. God, how oh, are God. we doing? How are we doing those calls? It was on Skype. Was it Skype, it was right? Skype. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were doing Skype. I had a ZenCaster rolling, um, and there were there were moments. <laughs> no, there, there were moments. <laughs> I still need to go back and salvage before it's lost from all time. Your Punta Cana trip. It's a good trip. Um, a you know, trip. Sp- speaking of not good trips, the Dan Campbell experience. The Dan Campbell experience. Where where do you think Dan Campbell was going? Down to Cancun or like? He's certainly, I don't know. You see a Cabo Wabo kind of guy? I don't know. Sammy Hagar, like, uh, I don't ever want to come back. I, I bet he's a Margaritaville guy. Mm. <laughs> Has anyone, hold up, hold up. Jeremy, you are the the man who gets to go into the beat circle. The one who took advantage of, like, me deciding to go off to L.A. and we swap places and you come back. Now you're in there every day. I need to know what kind of music does Dan Campbell listen to? And if you don't know, you need to go get us notes. <laughs> well, no, we, we know already he's a Metallica dude. Like that was that was one of the first facts we knew about him. OK, so we know he's a Metallica dude. So yeah. I think like that 80s rock, like typical guy that looks like I that. think that stereotypes you as a Key West kind of guy. <laughs> Uh, what, is this, I, is this I, why we were talking about Dan Campbell? No, we're going to talk about we we're here to talk about the play calling. We're here to talk about the play calling, which I guess Key West and an overbearing love for Metallica factors into those decisions as well. Um, <laughs> has anything in your mind? We've been talking about Dan Campbell's play calling for a couple of weeks now. Has anything in your mind changed after the Chicago game, or has it just reinforced your perceptions at this point? Well, I don't know. Like when it happened, when he said he, he or when we saw him take over play calling duties, cause he didn't really say it before he was going to do it. I think I was on here and saying like, it's kind of a weird move. It, it seems not, I don't know if desperate's the right word for it, but it seemed drastic. And I certainly still feel that way. No question. Like I'm, here's, here's where I'm torn here is that part of me is like, the offense wasn't working. The offense needed something to be shaken up. I think we all agreed about that going into the bye week. I think we all agreed something needs to happen because, you know, they're, they're, they're not winning any games. They're not scoring any points. They're not being explosive anywhere. They need something to change. And I appreciate address. I appreciate Dan Campbell being like, I'm not going to sit idly and watch this happen. I'm not going to just kind of, you know, change up a, a thing here, a thing there and, and hope it alternates. I'm going to go at it. I'm going to try something crazy, but also like, it also seems like maybe, maybe you either went overboard or he, I I think the biggest part that always irked me was it seemed like an overreach. He he's not, he's never been an offensive play caller. He's not considered an X's and O's guru. He, he took away something from a coach that he trusted to do at the beginning of the year. And he's the one that said like, you know what, you know, a, a true alpha knows when to concede, concede, right? Like he conceded play calling duties at the beginning of the year and didn't trust that plan two months after it started. And so that to me seemed desperate. And obviously we're, we're, we're three weeks into this experiment and 
I mean, we, we can talk about the specific play calling. We can talk about the fact that they're still not throwing it downfield as much as they should. We can talk about all the third down draws. I don't like it. I don't really like anywhere this offense is, is heading. They're running the balls a little bit better, but that's not nearly enough for me. And so I, I'd kind of like to see him give him back, honestly. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think this has worked out. And at least it seemed like there was a little bit more creativity with Anthony Lynn behind, behind the play calling. I don't know. I, so I think I view it as presumptuous because this is, this is my feeling with, with Dan Campbell taking over play calling duties. I, I, I don't know if it quite reeked of, of desperation, but it, it definitely felt like an overreach as you mentioned of like just being a little bit too brazen, like maybe thinking like, Hey, I'm the guy who can fix this when in reality, your personnel isn't any good. Like you, 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 you have a quarterback who can't get it done. You have a couple of quarterbacks who can't really get it done. You know, it, it takes, it takes a wicked run game and some explosive plays from Deandre Swift for you to be in any football game that you, that you have played this season. And that's where I think it's a little bit presumptuous of Dan Campbell to assume I can take over play calling duty. And that's going to be, what's going to help this team get over the hump because like, I, I don't think that there was anything particularly egregious about Anthony Lynn's play calling. I don't think that there was anything particularly super exciting. So that's where I, that's where I understand Campbell wanting to take over, but I mean, just, just chalk it up to, you don't really have a whole lot going for you on offense. So I leave it at that. Don't cause I mean, going back to your point, Jeremy, if, if, if he knows that a real alpha knows when to step aside, how does he step aside from this and not look like I made a huge mistake other than he has to come out and say like, Hey, I made a mistake. Like I, I, I don't, I don't know how you resolve this. I would provide a response to that, but I have been muted by our chat because they donated $80 to rain. So okay. you do carry well, on the conversation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ready User has been muted. User has been muted for this conversation. Well, Chris, can you yeah. answer that question then? Uh, tee it, tee it back up again. Sorry. I've been dealing with some allergies here, so this is brutal to me. No, it's fine. So, just, just, just in the, in the, in the short way of asking it, how can Dan Campbell hand play calling duties back over to Anthony Lynn? Very carefully. <laughs> Um, no, I think, I think it's easy enough. He just admits like, look, he's been forward. He admits when he makes mistakes, he can hand it back. I think that the bigger question is, is like, a, is the talent really there to even do much for it? And here's the other thing too, is like, I know we give a lot of like crap to him for the play calling and rightly so, but at the same time, it's still Anthony Lynn's system that he's calling from. So like, I don't know how much handing it back to Lynn helps things at the end of the day. I think there's some underlying problems with Lynn's system itself that probably bears criticism in this, like handing it back to Lynn probably gives you some efficacy and efficiency because he knows it better. But I mean, I don't see it as that much of, I feel like we'll just rearrange deck chairs again. That's that, that's what we're going to do. Like it takes some strain off of Campbell and I think he's more comfortable not calling plays, but I think we're kind of giving Lynn a bit, uh, Anthony Lynn's playbook a bit of a pass that is just not equipped to deal with, to, to make a modern offense, in the NFL. Do you, do you think it has to go on to somebody else, Jeremy? Like, I know I mentioned this to you on a previous podcast about like, what if Deuce Staley took over play calling duties? Like, 
do you think that there's a, a viable way to hand this thing back off to Anthony Lynn? I, I think you could do it. I mean, the thing that they've been preaching all season and even after this is, is, you know, cooperation and, and, you know, getting along together and, 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 um, everyone like even even now they're saying like well anthony calls some plays i call some plays like i'm just the one relaying it sometimes and sometimes he's the one relaying it when he had the headset and so i think i think they could do it without too much egg on their face and i think i think that's probably where they should go and and the reason why i think dan dan has been getting kind of a lot of the blame here is it's, it's really the third and longs right like that's really what seems to have changed or it seems to have, have probably been on Campbell itself. And again, like it's hard to tell who's exactly calling the plays when, but the third and, and, down, and, third and, and, t- and taking shots downfield too. Sure. And, and some of that too, I, I do feel like is, is still belongs on Jared Goff and maybe the wider receiving core as well, but agreed. I just like the third and long stuff is, is just frustrating. And, and I'm not even talking third, third and 32. Like, there is like I'm I'm with them on that one. Like there's there's no good play call. I would there's say there's no good play there. Like I don't fault draws there. I know it I, enrages people, but like what right. no. like as the famous famous words in the NFL, you don't have anything your playbook for third and thirty. Right. The the only the only asterisk I would put there is like when you're third and thirty two on your fifty yard line, try to pick up fifteen because you can get a field goal out of that, and they right. run a draw play right. for two yeah. yards, which <sighs> is a waste for, of everybody's time. Um, but like the, the, I don't know, the third and stu- long stuff, just, it has to stop. Like you have to be aggressive. You have to stop playing scared. And that's, that's what Dan Campbell is doing right now. And I understand why he's doing it. I understand he doesn't trust his offensive line to hold up. He doesn't trust his quarterback to make the right reads downfield. He doesn't trust his wide receivers to get open. But like this whole idea of like, we have to play so careful to not make a mistake. You're playing so careful that you're, you can't make a play either. And, yeah. and these literally the last three opponents have been trying to hand you games like Matt Nagy punted from the 50 yard line, like four times in that game. They're, they're making just as many mistakes as you play just as carefully as you are. And it's, it's, it's a game of hot potato. You take the win. No, we take the win. You take the win. I'll take the win. You take the win. Like someone needs to go out and win that football game. And, and Dan Campbell is playing scared. He's playing way too conservative. And and this kind of gets to the bigger picture of, of like, what are we concerned about this year? What are we concerned about long-term? Because we've seen Dan Campbell be aggressive before. We saw him do it in the Rams game, which is why maybe I'm not too concerned about it long-term. Because yeah, I, like we, I do see, believe- we see the aggression in flashes. Like we can right. talk about the Ravens game. We can talk about the Rams game. And it's just a matter of like, why isn't that there? I think, I think fans ask, why isn't that there every week? Right. And I think it's hard to keep that up every week, especially you get longer in the season, you get more tape, your playbook gets a little emptied. You can't exactly show triggeration every time, but at the same time, like, yeah, you could be still going for it on some third downs here. Like it wouldn't hurt, especially if your, your stated goal is to win at least one game for pride and for your, your own um, ego. I'm not using ego pejoratively there. I'm using it in the sense that like, you don't want to go six oh sixteen and one. You want to you want to pick up a win. And, and here's the thing: like I see some people in the chat saying, like I don't want this like bipolarness though. And I don't like I don't think it's that. I think it's at the at the bye week. Dan Campbell said, "Listen, this team isn't that good 
offensively. It isn't that good defensively. So the way we are going to win football games is to stretch possessions out, try to win these 16, 17 games, keep it low scoring, basically just keep it close as long as possible and hope something bounces our way at the end of the game. Obviously it hasn't happened that way um, all season, really. If, if anything else, the bears did it better than you on that final drive with an eight right. drive. And so like, I think this conservative nature is born out of a lack of confidence in your team, a lack of confidence in your roster. And so that's why I think once this team, I, I, if this team eventually develops all the talent that they need to compete on a week to week basis, then we might see that aggression. Then we might see the downfield passing attack. Then we might see a third and 15 that doesn't is, seem like a, a which is, conclusion. yeah, which is why I'm not in this boat and I'm not one to, I mean, I, I probably get this from Jonas Knox as well too, um, that this, this idea that, I just don't like calling for jobs to obviously I made an exception for Patricia, but that was for very personal reasons, but like, I don't understand calling for Dan Campbell's job, especially in the very first year. I, but I get it. His play calling has been not good. And the, and a lot of these decisions have not been good, but at the same time, I'm willing to, to suss it out just because the talent kind of puts you in that bad situation where you really have no optimal optimal answers for it that you're just struggling to grasp for a straw at the end of the day like i just i i just i i i get like i get that he had that some of these decisions have been mind-boggling but yeah i just i i don't know i i i'm not i'm not ready to bail yet and i, I, I mean even if i was like i don't think that's my decision to make either I also want to be really clear, like this conservative nature, even though I'm saying like, I get it. He's, I, I understand why he's doing it. I still don't agree with it. Like, that's mm -hmm. what I want to be clear about. I want to see him throw the, see the team be more aggressive on third. He hasn't, he I hasn't shown to be stuck in his ways time. either. Like he's shown himself more to trick shit. Like, like I, yeah. yeah. And I just think that stuff is going to come out eventually. I just wish he'd be doing it now too. Um, yeah. And it, it remains to be seen if Anthony Lynn will be back with this team next year. Like the guy came out of retirement for this. What's that? I said, that's definitely a huge question. Like, no, that I, is I, a huge question. There might be a new offensive system installed next year. Anthony Lynn was going to take a year off from this and he came back and doing this. And clearly this isn't working with the lions. I think there is a question of, does he want to be back with the team next year? Or do, do the lions even want to hold on to him as an offensive coordinator? I don't, I don't know. That's, that's a big question. I don't know. Yeah. I, if we can zero in, because I, I guess I was thinking of all these things, like, first of all, like the question when, when you start throwing around things like, or throwing around ideas of firing Dan Campbell, it's like replace him with whom. And also what kind of message that send that you're just going to change the laundry every year. And right. So like which head coach is going to be like, yeah, sign me up for that because that coach with that roster got fired after that start. Like, After you gave him a six year contract too. So clearly, right. even if the organization says, Hey, I have long-term faith in your law. I mean, I have faith in your long-term plan. That means bubkis. But, but my, I, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. And my, just my, my further question to push back is like, who are you going to replace him with? Like who out there right now? Are you like, yeah, that guy's available. They should go out and get him right now. Like there isn't anybody. So I don't see what good there is in even suggesting the idea of firing Dan Campbell, but neither here nor there. I really want to talk about the, the, not, not really the, the, the double timeout, but like some of the fallout from the double timeout, sure. like why are there, why are there defensive backs that are playing eight yards off the line of scrimmage? 
Yeah. From what I heard about that play, like half of the defense got one play call. The other half got another. And that's why Glenn was demanding for the second time out. But like we saw that multiple times where the defense just looked lost out there. Like we, we saw like they, well, a lot of times where they almost got 12 men and they had to call timeout a few times to get that. So it's not just on the offense play calling. There's problems with coordination going on with the defense too. Right. And I think this is where like the actual concern about this coaching staff is legitimate, right? Because the end of that game was a clusterfuck. It was like, I'm sorry. Like, it's not just like Ryan said, it's not just about the double timeout. It's about coming out on the very next play. And like Chris said, almost had too many men on the field. It's like Ryan said, when you, you would, now you're facing a, a third and what is third it? Third and, and four, third and five, third and four, instead, yeah. of a, instead of a third and nine, you got your guys playing way off and not even giving them a chance to make a play there. Like the, and, and this, these miscommunications on, on the third and nine where half, half of the guys got the check at the line. Half of the guys didn't. We are how many weeks into the season now? 12. If you guys cannot communicate a simple check to the entire secondary, that is a coaching problem. No question about it. And that's where I get like the, the very, the people I'm, you can tell I'm starting to get a little upset about it. Like that's, that's not okay. And we've it's been something praising that, Aaron Glenn. We've been praising, uh, we've been praising, praising Aubrey Pleasant. But like, I and I know young players. I know there were some guys out there that you know they, they had Josh Woods out there for God's sake, like a guy that has no business being out there. A lot of moving parts, but this is something that ever like this was a one of the major problems that we all recognize as early as the Baltimore game, like maybe even earlier than that communication should not at all be a problem at this point in the season. I don't care who's out there and yeah, that, and, and, and throw in the double timeout, throw in whatever you want. Like if your team is not that organized in a crunch time situation, that is telling of your coaching team. And that like, if if you're concerned about that for the future, I understand that I'm a little concerned about that for the future because it seemed like everyone was panicking out there, including the sidelines. And you just cannot have that in a crunch time situation. I think though that can be worked on at least in the off season. I think that that's part of the snowball of when you're losing as much as the lions have been losing, like the communication breakdowns happen. um, Just because like, I feel like everyone's just desperate to try something different to shake things up to hopefully get it to work. And I think maybe that, that might be part of the psychology of why taking over the play calling hasn't worked. It's, it's not easy to just take over play calling in the middle of a season. I don't think I've seen it with any team that where that really works. There's a guy taking over mid season and takes over play calling. It is a desperation move. Desperation happens when you are winless. Yep. It, it does. And I, the, the one other thing that I'm interested to see for the rest of the season is yeah, like, Okay, sure. The Lions, they're trying to to win their first game. But how well is Dan Campbell going to be able to manage this coaching staff over the last half of the season? Because this is a guy who's put a lot on his plate. Like he's a first time head coach, you know, full time, not not an interim head coach. He's first time Mm -hmm. full head coach. Now he's taking over play calling duties. Uh, Jeremy, I don't know if you if you saw this or if you witnessed anything, but remember the Cabinda incident on the extra point where he had to run off Mm -hmm. like there was somebody who dm'd me on twitter and was like yeah the special teams coordinator was in the face of like another coach and like dan campbell had to like get in between them Mm -hmm. i I don't know if there's any veracity to that but like 
I can totally see how maybe there might be some infighting that might starting when you are a winless football team, when you haven't gotten that monkey off your back and you got all these mistakes keep happening. Like the mental mistakes keep happening. I'm coaching. So I understand why coaching coach would get mad over something like that. Right. Yeah. And I mean, the the same thing too, like we, we praised all season or all off season long about how Dan Campbell had, uh, you know, put together this incredible staff made of like former players that aren't too far removed from, from their playing days. Like these guys are all like, I'm assuming hyper ultra competitive. Right. Yeah. That, it, and it, the, the and losing it, probably affects them more than the players probably. The losing, the losing takes its toll on everybody. So like, this is, this is part of Dan Campbell's responsibility too, is like managing that coaching staff for the last half of this season so that they can get, he can get everybody pushing in the right direction. Yeah. I think we, we talked about it before the season and I, you know, in my preview, I said, Dan Campbell's going to lose a lot of bleeping football games, but like, I I think this has been pointed out before Dan Campbell was part of the 08 lions team. He knows what it is to go winless. Some of these other guys have not experienced that in their playing career. They never did. They at least got some wins now and then where they played for, you know, I mean, Aaron Glenn comes from the saints, like, Saints in the modern era weren't exactly a team that ever had, you know, bad, bad years. Like, like it, I, I think, I think it's part probably falls on Dan Campbell to at least again, to, to teach these guys about like some of the coaches too, about what it's like to go through this kind of bleeping work. And, and that all plays to Dan Campbell's strengths though, right? Like yeah. that's, that's what he's best at is leadership through tough times. I bet. And, and so far, like, Maybe there that sideline scuffle happened. Maybe it didn't. I, I haven't seen it, but I, I can tell you, like, from everything that, I've seen that in that ends. organization, yeah. like, there has been no disruption amongst the ranks uh, outside of maybe Dan Campbell simply taking things away from Anthony Lynn. But even Anthony Lynn has played that very much. I'm cool with that. I would have probably done that if I was him, too. We're still collaborating. It's all good. And maybe he's just saying that, but like, everyone seems to be falling in line right now. And, and so if there's any issues with, with coaching, losing faith or anything like that. I, I would trust Dan Campbell to keep that ship afloat. I, I, yeah, I think just at the end of the day, like fans just don't have the patience for it, but I mean, if they don't get to make the choice at this point, like it's a rebuild. Like we, we can keep pounding this table as much as we want. Like, well, here's I, yeah. the, the one thing that continues to bother me is like, people will look at that game and look at how bad coaching was at the end of the game. And, and I do want to reiterate, it was bad. It was disastrous. They look at that and they say, I'm sure Dan Campbell isn't the guy. That's all I need to see. I'm sure Dan Campbell isn't the guy. Why are you so sure? Because he made a late game mistake. We were talking off stream. You kill a ton of coaches for late yes, game mistakes. It happened like the Rams. They ran it on third and one when they or they they could not afford missing any time. Late we game. You can go back to the Super Bowl with Pete Carroll, man. Yeah, Bill Belichick has has gotten you know rail happens it, it, it sucks when you're winless and it's hyper yes. focused yes but it happens so yes. yeah i we're and so yeah yeah i my overall point is like yes it was a des- disaster how that game ended no that doesn't tell me that this guy is weighing over his head and he can't get better because again like no, that's, that's hot take. I, that's hot take nonsense that's, i i reiterated this on the the 20 minute podcast like dan campbell's learning on the job too he is and you have to afford him to make some mistakes and so was Thursday, a good day for him. Absolutely not. Does that mean he's not the guy for certain? Absolutely not. Give him some time. We're going to wrap up with a little bit of draft talk at the end, just because Aiden Hutchinson, I think, played himself into a conversation. Kayvon Thibodeau. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to turn the attention from the Lions to what the Lions could be doing in a couple of months 
as they look towards the draft and what is honestly barring a major crazy end to the year, probably the first overall pick. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Friday Detroit POD cast. We're wrapping up the show here. And uh, let's wrap it up by going to Jeremy's favorite place. Let's go to Draft Talk. Uh, we do have a recorded podcast with Kent Lee Platty. It will be hitting the feed at some point. Uh, I think what we're gonna have, a, I think we're gonna have a first bite this week, Jeremy. Yeah, the plan is I'll probably try the to plan, grab so a we'll, reef. We'll have like a scraps, we'll have a first bite, we'll have one leg at a time. I don't know where I'm going to drop that draft podcast and we might hold it for another week. Um, it will, it will come. Uh, it might, it might come out this week. Who knows? I, and also planning. remember this is live. There's a going to be a bunch of live only content on Tuesday where we're going to have a bunch of awesome guests talking about the draft, mm-hmm. talking about the lions, talking about all sorts of stuff. Maybe some players we'll see. Uh, so make sure you show up on Tuesday too. live 9am to midnight Eastern time. Twitch. I'll show Twitch up practice. and do some cooking too. Maybe, maybe. You never know. Um, has Aiden Hutchinson played himself into the first overall pick conversation? Or are we just doing this because we are too close to the trees here in Michigan? Ryan, I'm too close. You, you have to answer this one for yeah, me. Yeah, Jeremy, Jeremy's got his nose right up against the bark. Well, there's somebody from PFF this morning that suggested like, you know, I, I forget what, what time it, it might've been just afternoon or just in the morning. And they're like, I I'm ready for more conversation that Aiden Hutchinson should be up there with Kayvon Thibodeau as the number one pick. And it's like, where the hell have you been for the past 20 hours? PFF guy. Like, well, PFF I, also put this out. I think, you know, uh, earlier in the morning too. um, Aiden Hutchinson, 15 QB pressures versus Ohio state most in a game since they started tracking college in 2014. Yeah, so here here's where I'm at with that discussion. Like, yeah, he should he should be there. He should be a candidate to be the number one overall pick because we just saw this guy not only do what he did in the Ohio State game, but he's been doing this all season long. Like he now holds and we we, we know how much we know how volatile a, a stat like sacks is and how, you know, it can fluctuate and it can, you know, it can balloon and it can shrink. Uh, but a stat like pressures, like you just said, Chris, like 15 in a single game, like 
I, I against Ohio that. State's line, by the way. And, yeah, and two I, tackles I, that are probably going to get drafted. But, and, and then the other thing behind that is like, yeah, 15 pressures. How many false start penalties did Ohio State have? How many holding penalties did they have on Aiden Hutchinson? Like, it's very, it was very clear watching that game that, yes, on the offensive side of the ball, Michigan was able to just run the ball and impose their physicality on Ohio State. But when Ohio State had the ball on offense, which is which was supposed to be their bread and butter, their way to win that football game, Aiden Hutchinson by himself was throwing that off track, was throwing that plan off course. Like, yes, there's Najabo playing on the other side of, of, of Hutchinson. And yes, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau is the guy at Oregon who is really kind of Oregon's defense. Okay. I, I get it. Like there, there's going to be something said for the quality of opponent that Aiden Hutchinson plays week in and week out in the big 10 versus the quality of opponent that Kayvon Thibodeau faces on a, on a week by week basis, because we had the same exact discussion when we were talking Panay Sewell and Rashawn Slater a year ago. Sure. Right. And, and and that's why I thought Rashawn Slater out of the box was going to be somebody who would, would play up to expectations and would, and would perform very well because he was going against, um, you know, the chase youngs of the world. He was going against Aiden Hutchinson's of the world. Like, this is a discussion that is going to stick around. And I think it's going to shift a little bit when the combine comes. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I don't think Kayvon. And by the way, this isn't to put down Kayvon Thibodeau. I know I've talked Not to some at all fans who are like, yeah, but I've talked to some Lions fans who are like, Oh, I saw him in the Utah game and he got figured out. I don't think that's true. As you point out, he's the only one out there. And, I'm, and I mean, I'm going to put, I'll push back a little on you in that. I think there's a lot of NFL athlete quality athletes in the pac 12 that that conference gets no love but you see how many players in the pac 12 enter into the end the nfl every year he's not playing against cardboard boxes over there like he's he's going out there and playing pretty well but there, yeah there's a lot more pressure and people he's a known quantity every week people are saying how do we plan for Kayvon thibodeau and he's probably getting taken out of some of it it's going to come down, I feel like, to the combine and to showcases on what the measurables on these guys are. And we're still going to have that conversation. And look, you know, Thibodeau's, you know, um, like what? He's a sophomore, but I feel like he's 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 done quite a bit over there. He's played three Aiden, years. He played he's three played years. three years. And Aiden Hutchinson could have declared last year, I believe, for the draft. And he came back to Michigan. So, like, both these guys are fairly well-seasoned. And it's just I, – I think – Again, at first blush, Thibodeau's probably the one with the better better athletics. But I mean, Hutchinson, I, I'm gonna be I'll be curious when Kent puts out those RAS scores. I'll be curious how both of them compile at the combine. Well, okay. So to your original question, is Aiden Hutchinson in the conversation for number one? The answer is absolutely a positively yes. No yeah, question. I think about we just it. we just got there. We yeah. yeah. The, I, I haven't picked a side yet at this point. I, I do think I I'm firmly in the point where I'm like give me either. And I'm going to be pretty damn happy on draft day. And I, I feel like we're, you know, given that this conversation is just starting by the time we hit April, everyone will have chosen a side and will be absolutely pissed off if their guy doesn't go, which we need to remind ourselves right now, before that narrative gets out of hand, both these guys are very, very talented players with, you know, the ability and the to, NFL, and, to and change the, your defense forever. And the draft is inherently a lottery. 
Yes. It is a lottery. You don't know who's going to bust, who's going to struggle. You don't know. You just don't know. All you can do is project. That's always why I hate it when we have these conversations, be it about Jeff Okuda or Panay Sewell. You just don't know. You, all you can do is make an educated guess. Even for first rounders, I don't remember what the, what, what the burnout rate is, but it's still very high. There is no such thing as a sure thing True. in the NFL draft, period. Here's, here's what I think this one's going to come down to, and, it, and it's going to be personal preference because I don't think the, the combine is going to change much. I think everyone knows what the combine results are going to be because I think, in general, Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be considered the safer pick because he's the, the bigger athletic freak. He's the guy that's going to have all the measurables. He's going to outdo Aiden Hutchinson at the combine just about in every – he's going to check every box that, that Aiden can't. And he comes with three years of pretty solid production, 14 tackles for loss in 2019, nine and a half last year, 11 this year. Whereas Aiden Hutchinson, 14 and a half this year, 12 sacks, but he only had three and a half sacks in the previous three seasons. So Kayvon's the guy that's going to measure out better. And he's got more, I would say he probably has more tape. Whereas Hutchinson by a lot of people is, is viewed as more of a one season wonder that's not trying to take anything away from Aiden Hutchinson. Like I know, like everyone right now, I feel like is comparing him to a Watt, And part of that feels like maybe it's a race thing a little bit, but either way, it's like, absolutely, it's absolutely one of those, but, race but I think part of it is also like his attitude out there because like, it's that motor, it's that like flashy personality out there. And it's, it's, it's the ability to power rush. Yes, that too. I mean, <laughs> I I'm sure everyone by now has seen the, the rep of him just absolutely demolishing the, the, the Ohio state left tackle, just absolutely clobbering him. And, you know, doesn't go down as a sack. I'm not sure if it even goes down as a pressure, but it sure as hell going to be a, an a plus plus plus, you know, in his tape that, that everyone's going to take notice with. And so listen, I, I think I think Aiden's the flashier player, Kayvon's the the the, the safer player, and it just kind of goes down to personal preference. I'm I'm eager to jump into the tape of both of them a little more to get a little more technical on their, you know, on, on their profile. But it's again, I want to reiterate like both these guys are are, are monsters that you, that you absolutely want on your team. So I think the lines are in a no-win situation if this is the way they go. Write that down, Ryan. Jeremy is eager to get into the tape for draft draft tape. Well, I'm just wondering, Aiden Hutchinson doesn't really have anything else to prove. I don't know why he should play out the rest of his season in Michigan. Wow. <laughs> I, I hate oh, you. Okay. okay. What I've else does two, he have to prove? <laughs> I've got two other topics and it's kind of related to this. So we are, I, I'm going to shift from Jeremy's favorite guy, Aiden Hutchinson now to Ryan's favorite guy, Malik Willis, who has announced today he is going to play in the senior bowl. And guess who has a very good chance if they want to, to be, and they probably should be coaching in that senior bowl. That's right. The Detroit lions coaching staff. Yep. If you need a reminder, the, the bottom two teams in the NFL get first crack at coaching the senior bowl. The Lions obviously did it a couple of years ago with Matt Patricia in what was that? 2018, 2019, 2019 would have been 2019 because so, we picked Okuda like fourth. Yeah. It would, it would take some sort of incredible, Third, sorry. Uh, you know, wide receiver or what it would be, take some incredible winning streak uh, for the Lions to, to not have an opportunity. We don't know if the Lions would, would end up doing it or not, but it's, it's a huge advantage of, of getting to know these players as, as people and, and knowing, I mean, we know this coaching staff and we know how important I think 
character is to them. So going to the senior bowl where you, you get to see their character, you know, right in front of you, I think they would jump on that opportunity in a minute. So the fact that Malik Willis is there, I think, I think that's, that's, it's a good opportunity, Ryan. Looks like a fantastic opportunity. Um, and then on top of that, Cincinnati's uh, Desmond Ritter mm-hmm. uh, looks like he's going to be at the Senior Bowl too. Ritter I, I think... is one of those guys who's just been flying under the radar just because he's playing, probably just because he's playing at Cincinnati. Everyone in college knows like Cincinnati's like banging for a playoff spot, but I don't think they know who plays on Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think you know our our podcast, uh, as Chris mentioned with uh, Kent Lee Platty about the draft, will will drop eventually here, but. I think we had a discussion there where it's essentially become a one name conversation for, for quarterback. And it seems like it's uh, Matt Corral. And I, I'm fine with that. It's just, I, I don't think like being at the senior bowl, the Lions are going to say like, okay, yeah, Malik Willis is our, is our guy. Number one. Like I, I, I have a feeling that Malik Willis might be there when the Lions pick with their second pick in the first round. And I'll be honest, I will want them to take Malik Willis, but I will understand if they, if they pass on taking a quarterback with, with the Rams pick. And I guess that's where we can kind of take this discussion is like when it comes to that Rams pick, especially after watching that Ohio state game, like, Holy dude, Garrett Wilson is a dude. Chris Olave is a yep. dude. Like yep. those guys are bonafide. Like they, they will 100% both be first round picks. Garrett Wilson made some catches where I, I was like, well, first of all, that was defensive pass interference. And second of all, how the did he catch that ball? Like Garrett Wilson, like Ohio state is becoming like the wide receiver factory. Like it's yeah, what, what USC used to be in the two thousands, just wide receiver. You. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I was, I was watching yeah. that game and I was just, I was Jesse from breaking bad. How can they keep getting <laughs> away with this? Like, and by the no way, by the way, like those passes and to throw even more flies into the ointment, like I've talked to some people who say like, you know, yeah, it's going to be Thibodeau or, or Hutchinson first overall, but Kyle Hamilton is like the best player in the draft, but he's a, you know, a safety so it's going to be a matter of where he lands. And like, yeah, as you mentioned with that, the lions will have options with that second pick Ryan. And that's important because the Rams are now on a three game losing skid. <laughs> and um, I, I think they're going to make the playoffs, but I mean, is there any, any sneaking suspicion or possibility that they might not make it? No, I none. think I, no, none whatsoever, because hold on. Maybe, maybe no. The only thing that I'll put forward, if Dalvin Cook isn't out for an extended period of time, and I don't even know if it matters all that much because I think they can get not similar production, but like good enough production out of Madison. Sure. Because they still have Jefferson and they still have Thielen and they still have Kirk Cousins for whatever he's worth. But he's not lining up under the guard. They're they're five and six. Yep. San Francisco six and five, and they're like my dark horse team that I that I mentioned, like could Sure. But all of a sudden put something together. But Ryan, both those those teams, they already, they're already in playoff spots. The 49ers and Vikings are already, you need a Falcons team, a Saints team, an Eagles team, a Panthers team, a Washington team. 
You need one of those guys to to misplace the Rams. Heineke. It's not going to happen. Do it. Heineke. It's not going to happen. Heineke, Monday baby. night. No. Monday night, we know who we're rooting for. I, I, I agree with you that the 49ers and the Vikings are surging, but the problem is those two can't knock them out of this playoff spot because they're already in one. Here's the more realistic. Here's the more realistic scenario to me. And I hate to put it on our homeboy, Matthew Stafford. The Rams right now look like they are ready for a wild card, very quick exit from the playoffs. If they keep playing like they're playing. And that means probably picking like what? 21, 22. If I'm not mistaken, if they, well, if, if they get booted from the playoffs, they're, they're the wild, card. wild card round. It's somewhere between 18 and 18 and 24 or something. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Late middle of the round. That's, I, I would say that's probably most likely too. Like, and this is why Arizona staying in first place of the AFC in the NFC West is so important because that means the Rams are going to have to go on the road in the first round of the playoffs. If they have to go on the road, it's probably against a team like Dallas, Tampa Bay, Green Bay, one of those three teams. Probably not a great team to, to head on the road against. Maybe and the Arizona. Lions are going to have the first pick in the uh, in the second round as well. True, most likely. Like. This is a deep, this is a deep class for a lot of different positions. Maybe not the positions that people are banging the table hardest for like quarterback because they're just done seeing golf on the field for better or worse. But if you're looking to flesh out your, your roster at multiple positions, this is a good year to do that. Yeah. Or this was just a really long winded way of saying the Lions will take the Rams pick their own pick at the top of the second round and package those up to move up and get Hutchinson and Thibodeau. Which is Jeremy, apparently Jeremy, again, we have proof of him on Twitter saying to trade up and do that. Yep. Listen, if, if the Rams pick is like, if, it, if they miss the playoffs and they're what, 16 then? If you could somehow package 16 and 33 to get both, I'm, I'm honestly for it. Like, I'm literally for it. I don't care. Like, Double everyone threat. else will say, oh like, my God, I'd love give, it. Give me a quarterback, but no, I don't care. Give me, <laughs> give me two premier pass rushers. Pair with Romeo Aquara and we're running, baby. Not only that, Ali McNeil and Anzarike, you know, in, in, on the inside too. Like that offensive line. That mean, excuse me, that defensive line will just start murdering you wanna, people. You want to win on the trenches, Dan Campbell? Yeah, you want to win on the trenches. This isn't just line. winning on Here the trenches. Go, this isn't winning in the trenches, Jeremy. This is throwing grenades into the trenches. <laughs> Imagine him using four day one and day two picks in his first two years on defensive linemen. I, I just want Jeremy to close his eyes and imagine he hears the pick is in noise. The Lions have already selected Aiden Hutchinson and they've moved up and Kayvon Thibodeau is about to be drafted. And it, then they say running back Kenneth Walker from Michigan state. <laughs> Jeremy just smashed his headphones. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I wouldn't also mind again if it's Kyle Hamilton. I, you're not going to get any objection from me because Lions. we talked about Will there's Harrison a lot first. of needs but isn't there's it, a lot of needs isn't it at least a little interesting that all of our conversation right now has mostly been on defense and we can all agree that the offense is the worst side of the ball right now well it's worse in the sense that they just need receivers like and yeah. I mean well, that they need they need running backs too but I mean we're not going to talk about drafting running backs while Jeremy's here in the room he will well, literally they, destroy everything. They don't need running backs. They need wide receivers and a quarterback. We we've just spent the past three. I mean more than that. I guess Ingo passed 
probably back to the Cincinnati game of like, where's the pass rush? Like, where yeah. is the pass yep. rush? Hundred percent. So no, I and mean, I've I've I mean that's been a this has been a stalking horse of mine since we started the POD cast. Like, I still hate it. Six that the years last, ago. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that the last great edge rusher we drafted was Ezekiel Ansa, and even then, I think Ansa was the recipient of very good defensive tackle play and linebacker play. It's been a while. I think that's how we end it. <laughs> With stain? With stain, yeah, man. How would you like me to end it with a new Kid Rock song? Uh, ain't nobody gonna tell, tell me, me how, how to live. Wait, so... I'm gonna draft two edge rushers at the top <laughs> of the draft. Jeremy, I know you were excited to see that Weird Al Yankovic was like, hey, like I know people think this is like me doing a parody of a Kid Rock song, but it's not. It's it's just Kid Rock. That just was Kid Rock. the perfect slam. Absolutely. <laughs> Kid, Rock, Kid Rock getting owned by freaking Weird Al in 2021 thing, is the best thing that happened in 2021. Maybe the best thing that's happened in, in how dare thing. you turn about how dare you turn around the uh, turn against the greatest musician out of detroit how dare you (laughs) goodbye everyone uh we've had a lot of fun on this one we've got a lot coming out in the week we've again we've got a couple more days on this podcast to raise money for rain please help donate twitch.tv slash pride detroit look on pride detroit.com for the donate links uh we've got the remind me 15 hours jeremy 15 15 hour stream yes on 15 hour stream coming up on tuesday uh, we've got plenty of podcast droppings and, uh, yeah, we'll be back here and keep doing all this fun stuff. So until then guys, we'll see you star side. <laughs>